Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to our next episode of Next Best Theater, where we talk about all things theatrical, even in the pandemic when there is no live theater happening. I am your host for this month's episode, Daniel Bayer, and I am joined here by my fantastic friends, Casey Lee Clark. Hello. Cody Derricks. Hiya. And Nicole Ackman. Hi, everybody. And we are here today to talk about um, not a Broadway musical, as we have done usually in the past when we've talked about one specific show. Um, and there's a reason for that. And the reason is because when we were trying to think of a topic for this month's show, uh, we couldn't. <laughs> um, there didn't seem to be anything that we, um, that felt like we wanted to talk about it at the current moment. We're, we're still moment. trying to figure out when the, when the Tony Awards will return from the war. <laughs> uh. And there is that. Um, and then I, I sort of had a, a moment of clarity that said, you know, we're, it's a new year. We just had the inauguration of President Joseph Robinette Biden, and um, we have the the COVID vaccine is here, and people are starting to get vaccinated, and it just feels like a new world, and we are at this moment where we all have to seize the day and move forward to get out of this, and there is one show that came to my mind at that moment, and that was Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World. And uh, thankfully, everyone who is here was willing to indulge me in this. Um, even some of you listening to the the uh, cast recording for the first time, which is exciting. Uh, so let's get right down to it. Um, Songs for a New World, and for everyone who doesn't know, was Jason Robert Brown's first produced show. It premiered in 1995, so the show is um, over 30, no, it's 25, 26 years old now, which is kind of crazy. Which um, is about how old he was when it premiered, I'm just checking. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. It's insane. Um, and it premiered off-Broadway and only played for 28 performances, but it has had a an incredible legacy in, um, in community theaters and high schools and colleges across the nation. Um, you get a group of four singers together and they will probably just start breaking out into these songs. Um, up until this point, Jason Robert Brown had mostly done his professional work writing orchestrations and vocal arrangements for other people's musicals, uh, the most prominent of which was William Finn's A New Brain, which I also love and we should do someday. Um, and the original production was is kind of funny. It was directed by Daisy Prince, um, the daughter of Hal Prince, who made his name doing, you know, the big musicals on Broadway. And this is so small. And the original production starred Brooke Sashmanskis, who we know from Something Rotten and The Prom, uh, Andrea Burns, who we know from In the Heights and On Your Feet, uh, Jessica Malaski, who played Sister Bertha in The Sound of Music Live with Carrie Underwood, and none other than Billy Porter, 
who is the Tony winner for Kinky Boots and is on the TV show, won the Emmy for Pose, um, who, because of contractual obligations, Billy Porter is the only one of the original cast that is not on the recording. So not many people realize that he was in the original production of this, but he was. And Songs for a New World is... We, we're calling it a song cycle, um, although some people sort of differ on where, uh, how the musical should be classified, but it is a very much a collection of songs that doesn't really have a plot, but they're centered around a theme, in which in this case is the moment of decision. In Jason Robert Brown's own words, it's about one moment. It's about hitting the wall and having to make a choice, or to take a stand, or turn around and go back. And they sort of get very specifically into what the show is about in the first number. But before we go uh, talking about the different songs that are being sung in the show, um, why don't we go around and say how we first became acquainted with Songs for a New World. Uh, who wants to start? I can go. I can. Okay, okay Casey. <laughs> Um, so I got introduced to the show more so with certain individual songs. Mm -hmm. Um, this past week was the first time I'd actually listened to the full album, but some songs I've known for a very long time. My high school theater director was a big Jason Robert Brown fan. So a lot of, a couple songs from this, he had people sing for competitions or cabarets. Um, so I definitely knew Stars in the Moon. I'll probably, <laughs> I'll know Stars in the Moon until I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> I think that that one's pretty, uh. Nailed it in there, but I also was very familiar with Christmas Lullaby and I'm Not Afraid of Anything. Um, and I think also being a fan of the last five years, Jason Robert Brown, like that era of him is just very prominent in my brain. And yeah, I think that we'll get into it, but I think that there's a lot of modern musical theater that sounds quite a bit like this show, which I think is very interesting. And I think that beyond just the messaging, I think the reason that it stood the test of time so much is that it's so great for these like one-off performances of a song in a cabaret or an audition, things like that, that I think they're very easy songs for people to place out of the shows, but also within its complete context, I think it's really special. I completely agree on most of those counts. Um, I, I love these songs and they, I have since I first heard it and I forget actually when I first heard this show, I, it was sometime, um, it must've been like, around my senior year of high school, freshman year of college, because I remember when I was in college, a bunch of friends, we were just talking about the show and just wanted to, we should just do it. We should, you know, we have, one of us played the piano, we can just go and do this show because it's just four people. How hard can it be? So we many just... college nights. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and at that point, I had already known the show and like could sing along to it and I can still sing along to it and Everything that Casey said is true. Like this era of Jason Robert Brown's music is very, <laughs> it touches deep emotional places inside of me for reasons. And it, it's kind of crazy how much this show has sort of like come to define how a lot of uh, current popular Broadway shows sound in many ways. It's, or at least it did for quite a long time. Um, Cody, you want to go next? Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, 
But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. So I also, like any good modern musical theater uh, fan, I'm a, a real appreciator of Jason Robert Brown. I really think he's just gotten better and better with every single show. Um, not counting a honeymoon in Vegas here or there, but I mean, like Bridges of Madison County, I think is probably the best score from the past decade of musical theater. So good. It, that being said, I think this show is wonderful as like, uh, like a like a little baby photos. You know, I, I feel like you can see a lot of what he would <laughs> go on to become. I can like point different songs, what they sound like in relation to his future work in a way that's kind of almost eerie. Um, That being said, I think as a show, it doesn't really come together for me. I've always had trouble cracking into this, even, like I said, being a fan of all this other major work. Uh, I think there's some definite standout songs. I think, you know, like like one of you said, if I heard Stars in the Moon performed at any cabaret for the rest of my life, I'll be totally fine. Um, I think there's a few clunkers in there, but that's okay. Uh, I just, considering it as a musical is a little bit odd to me because... Even compared to other song cycles, it is like the loosest <laughs> collection of anything uh, resembling a musical. You know, other song cycles at least have a more concrete uh, unity of purpose. <laughs> Not sound mean. And this one just being about like a vague decision making moment is a little bit. Maybe not exactly what I look to musical theater for, but again, that being said, the songs that are good in here are just wow, and I like cannot believe a fucking twenty-five-year-old wrote them. Right. Oh my. There is there is some like depth to a few of these songs that mm. you look mm-hmm. at how young he was, and you're like, how did you write this <laughs> before? Like you were a you were yes an adult, but like barely. Like, I, I want to probe inside his brain, um, which Nicole Ackman has. So, <laughs> Nicole, how did yeah. you get introduced to this show? <laughs> <laughs> so, as as you alluded to, I'm a huge fan of Jason Robert Brown. I actually interviewed him uh, whenever I was living in London for Broadway World UK. I He's one of my favorite composers. And it's funny because before this past week, I'd actually never listened to the album in full um, Songs for a New World is one of those shows that I'd like always known of. Um, I don't remember like the first time that I heard of it. Uh, and I know that we did 
study it briefly in my history of musical theater class that I took in college where we were talking about um, sort of non-traditional musicals, song cycles, reviews, that sort of thing. Um, and I went to a concert when I lived in London uh, for the actress Carolyn Maitland, and she performed uh, Stars in the Moon, and it put me on like a real kick with that song for a long time. You can actually find that on YouTube. It's a lovely video. Uh, from the concert that I was at. And so it was really exciting to actually listen to everything like all together in its proper order because I'd never done that even though I'd heard different songs. And I really enjoyed it actually. I think like, I think, you know, like Cody was saying, I wouldn't call it like Jason Robert Brown's masterpiece by any means. Um, it, you know, doesn't reach the heights that something like Bridges or Parade or The Last Five Years does. But there are, you know, a handful of songs that I do think are amongst his best work, maybe. And I think that it's a really interesting uh, concept. And I also think it's a, a particularly relevant show for right now. And that I think that whenever theater does finally return, not only is this, is this thematically relevant, but I think we're going to see a lot of shows that can be done with small casts, you know, so that casts can, can sort of... Uh, insulate and not not have so many people on stage and I can imagine productions of this being done particularly regionally and stuff uh whenever that time does come um there was a an um a city center encores in New York uh did a staged reading that's not the right word because it's completely sung through but a staged reading of this uh, in 2018, uh, with Shoshana Bean and Colin Donnell and um, a couple other people. Soleil Pfeiffer? Uh, yes, Soleil Pfeiffer and um, Michael... Kilgore? That is his last name. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I kept thinking, no, that, that, that's not his last name. I'm getting it mixed up with a fictional character, but no, that that is his name. Um, anyway, <laughs> they're fantastic. And I was watching that um, the other night when I was preparing for this and I, that was exactly my thought. Nicole was that like, I would love for like theater to come back with lots of productions of this because so it feels so I know that actually in the, um, in the UK, they did a production uh, last year in like July at um, the other palace with Rachel John, uh, Ramin Karimlu, Rachel Tucker and Cedric Neal, I think it was. Mm. Um, and they filmed it, I believe, and like streamed it. And uh, they're, I know they're planning to bring it back oh, wow. at some point. I think, I think the original play was February, but London's gotten more shut down. So I don't know if that'll actually happen. Um, but I know that there, there are plans to, to sort of try and be in the, in the reopening stage of London theater with a production of this at the London Palladium. So, oh, wow. Americans need to get Palladium. on it. That's yes. very cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now that um, we've all sort of talked about our general um, introduction to this show and what we, our general thoughts about it, uh, let's, let's dive into the show, shall we? So um, the, the show starts with a song appropriately called The New World, and it basically just flat out states the theme of the evening. Um, although the interesting thing about this number is that it was actually written last after they had gone through, you know, all many, many songs that he had 
randomly written or written for other things that didn't happen and finally put them together and finally found a theme, then he wrote this song, which is kind of crazy because the 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 title musical phrase, um, the a new world calls across the ocean, um, comes up a few times throughout the rest of the show. So it's kind of fascinating to me that this was the last song written. But well, I, you, you saying that that actually doesn't really surprise me because it's <laughs> I would say probably the most classical musical theater number of the whole production. You know, it's the most like it is one of them. Yeah, yeah. It's it sounds the most like a Broadway opening number, even though it is totally its own sound. Um, and I think it might actually be the best number in the show, even though I think there's other better songs. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, just you saying that it came last is that makes total sense. I didn't know that before, but that kind of unlocks everything about the show for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of episode 38 of the next best theater podcast, part of the next best picture podcast umbrella. In order to get the full podcast, you will have to head on over to Patreon where for $1 minimum a month for next best picture, you will get the rest of this podcast discussion and other exclusive podcast content as well. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Watch them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.